great to um, be with you and have the opportunity to um, talk about God's Word this morning. Um, as many of you know, my role with Baptist Churches means I'm not here every week, so I get the opportunity to visit uh, a lot of other churches on Sundays. So over the last few weeks, I've been in Port Pirie and Mount Barker, uh, Darwin, um, and Golden Grove. I think those are the last few I've been to, but it's always so nice to come back here to my family, to you, to my church. Um, And so when I visit other churches, I often talk about us, uh, talk about what's happening at Richmond and sort of send greetings from uh, members of our family. So it's kind of nice to come back the other way and say, hey, there's there's some really good stuff that God is doing across our wider movement of churches, but also, I guess, a real heart for what God is doing here. Uh, And lots of people praying for us, particularly in this season, as we look for who God has for us as our new pastor. So I wanted to start by asking you a question this morning, just to reflect on for yourself. If someone asked you, how do you experience communion with God? What are the first things that would come to your mind? How do you experience communion with God? I don't know whether that makes you think about kind of going and sitting cross-legged in the middle of a field somewhere and meditating. Uh, or whether you're going for a walk on the beach, or whether uh, reading the Bible, or praying, or gathering together as a church. But as I've been pondering this question of communion with God, I've, I've realised, I think in my mind, that I sometimes get confused between what people talk about as almost communing with God, like this kind of you know, meditative nothingness experiencing, just being caught up into God's presence, uh, where there's nothing else going on, which which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but that idea of the goal of kind of emptying ourselves and just being so caught up in the presence of the other, it's not really what the Bible is on about when it talks about communion with God. The best definition of communion I've come across is the idea of joint participation. That when you are in communion with God, you are jointly participating with God in what he is doing. And that could be a really simple thing or it could be a really complex thing. I was thinking this week about breathing. How often do you think about breathing? Um, I swim, not well, but I really enjoy swimming. But uh, the reason I not, not the reason, the the fact that I'm not a great swimmer means that when I'm swimming, literally all I am thinking about is my breathing. If anyone else has that experience, like literally going up down the pool or swimming yesterday and just like, when do I get to breathe next? How is this? And you think about breathing. It's something that you do, you have control over, you need to do, you can choose to do. Certainly when you're swimming, you think about who, you know, when you choose to do it. And yet at the same time, it's something that you have kind of no control over. It's something that is a gift. The Bible talks about breath as the breath of life, as the gift of God. And so there's this kind of this really interesting dynamic in breathing that it's both something that just comes naturally and that's a gift and we can kind of just have to receive. And yet it's also something that we can control and we can pay attention to. And I love that idea of joint participation. And so sometimes just slowing down and thinking about our breathing can be an experience of communion with God because we're being attentive to both the gift that God has given and our participation in it. Maybe a more obvious one is prayer. When we pray, we are jointly participating with God. We are giving our attention and our voice and our thoughts to conversation with God and listening to what he's saying and sharing what's going on for us. And we're engaged in this joint participation or communion with God. It might be reading the Bible, like I said, gathering together as a community like we are today. But if communion with God is joint participation, then actually anything we do and everything we do can be communion with God. And that seems to me to be how the Bible talks about it. That all of who we are, every activity, every moment, every relationship, every interaction can be an experience of communion with God. So it's not about getting out 
of the rest of our lives and kind of escaping to be with God, but actually paying attention to the God who is inviting us to jointly participate with him in every moment of every day. So, of course, we're in the middle of this series looking at the idea of work. And so this morning, um, I've been asked to kind of talk to us about this idea of work as communion with God. Work, our daily activity, what we find ourselves doing in our vocation, our calling, our family, our day-by-day life as an experience of communion with God. This is one of those areas where you think there's so much kind of thinking that maybe we um, is, is intuitive or just taken for granted or assumed knowledge. But when you start to pay attention to it and you unpack what, uh, how you see things or how you act and what, how that reflects about how you see things, maybe there's more going on than we realise at first. We would, we've suggested in our conversations around setting up this series that Work is one of the areas where we can tend to make this divide as if our lives divide into the sacred parts, the parts where God is, and the secular parts, the parts where God isn't. And work can be seen as kind of one of these. It's a, it's a secular thing. It's what we do where God isn't. And maybe some people are set aside for sacred work, so pastors and chaplains and those kind of people, well, they do the God work. But the Bible doesn't make that kind of divide. There is no divide between the sacred and secular in any area, but certainly in work, there is an invitation, an idea that everything we do and every role and every vocation, every calling can be this experience of communion with God. I didn't ask someone else to do the Bible reading this morning because the Bible reading this morning is one verse, and I thought it might be a bit token to ask someone to come up and open up the Bible and read one verse. You can grab your Bible if you want, or you can just listen, or you can actually try and remember it for yourself. But the verse that I want to talk about this morning is from Colossians chapter 3, and it's verse 23. And it says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for people. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for people. I remember learning that verse when I was a new Christian, probably about 18, 19 years old. And I think at the time what I understood that to mean was whatever I do, I have to do it full pelt and put all my effort into it and try and please God by doing the best possible job I can. And I loved what Josh was saying earlier today, that there's something in that about giving God our best. And yet there's also this idea that's crept in that kind of that verse means I should strive and earn and seek to please God by doing the best possible job I can do, which as he was pointing out at the end of the psalm kind of goes on to say that actually none of us can achieve on our own strength. And so I've been reflecting on this verse this week. What does it mean to work at whatever you're doing with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for people? If it's not about striving and achieving and doing your best, and I think it is about this idea of communion with God. Whatever you are doing, work at it in joint participation with God. Be attentive to how God is at work in and through and around you and how you are joining him in what he is doing. There's a few ways we can think about this. But the other thing that's really struck me as I've been reflecting on this verse is the original context of whom it was written to. That one verse, always dangerous to look at one verse from the Bible because we're risking taking it out of context, comes in a wider passage where Paul is actually writing to people in the church at Colossae who are slaves and masters. And he's writing to slaves and masters and telling them that whatever they do, whether slave or master or anyone in between, work at it with all your heart. Like, surely Paul is not saying, be the best slave you can possibly be. 
Be the best master you can possibly be or strive to earn God's favour in how you do that. There must be something deeper going on. It makes me realise that throughout history, for most people, certainly in biblical times, but even for most generations up until relatively recently, work has often not been a choice. The idea that you might choose what you do with your life, choose your vocation, choose what you're good at, how you want to spend your time, just wasn't a factor in people's thinking. Many people in Jesus' day were born slaves or born masters. But even jobs, people were born up until, as I said, quite recently, even the last couple of hundred years, you were born to a job that basically your father had. So if he was a blacksmith, you were a blacksmith. If he was a, father, a farmer, you're a farmer, sorry. I'm just going to stop a little rattling going on here. Um, you know, if your father you know, worked the land, uh, grew a particular crop, then you were born to do that. And so if Paul can be speaking into that kind of context, if the Bible, if God can be speaking into that kind of context where people aren't thinking about what is the one thing that I should do with my life, but are actually thinking how do I enact my faith in this thing that I find myself doing, then this idea of work and calling and vocation must be bigger then what we sometimes hear today was it's essentially ideas of self-fulfillment. You know, do the thing that makes you feel the best about yourself or, you know, this, these ideas, modern ideas of self-fulfillment. There's got to be something more going on. And so I wonder if this idea of work as communion with God helps us both kind of get out of that more self-centred, secular mindset that says it's all about me, but also get into the idea that it is about joint participation with God. So, as we've been looking at this series, we've kind of had these three weeks of framing what work is and what vocation is and what calling is. And this morning's the first of these next uh, half of the series, these three weeks, which we hope are going to be really practical. So we talk about what it looks like in practice, work as communion with God, work as uh, community building, and work as co-creativity. And some of those might resonate more for some of us than others, but I hope that there's something that we can all take hold of for our own daily work this week and on into the future. If work can be communion with God and joint participation with God and working in heart and aligned with God, then work is part of the big story of God. And we've already seen this in this series. We've seen how work actually enables us to look backwards to the very beginning of God's story and that work was part of God's good gift of creation. In the creation story, before sin, before darkness and evil and brokenness entered into the world, God invited people to work. So work is not a burden and a toil and a chore and something that is a product of the brokenness and evil of this world. It's a good gift from God. And the idea of work also causes us to look forward to the very end of the big story of God, to the new creation, which talks about the recreation of heaven and earth and the people of God dwelling in his presence once and for all. And work is a part of that story too. Work isn't something that will stop Work in terms of joint participation or communion with God will last forever and we will be invited to continue with God building and creating and communing and connecting in all the ways that he is seeking to do. So what I want to do this morning, whenever I think about the big story of God, and I'm sure if you've been at Richmond for a while, you've heard me and others talk about this before, but one helpful framework I've found for thinking about the big story of God is that what God is on about is four key relationships that God is seeking to restore. 
And we see them in the garden in the beginning of the story, in the big story of God. We see them in the new creation in the end, and they help us think about how to live in the middle. And I want to ask the question this morning, what does it mean in your work, in my work, in our day-to-day's activity to jointly participate with God in the restoration of these four key relationships? So let me run you through them if you're not familiar with them. The four key relationships that God is seeking to restore, the first one is probably pretty obvious. God is seeking to restore and reconcile the relationship between us and him. That's the gospel story, the heart of what Jesus did in his death and his resurrection is achieve reconciliation and restoration between humanity and God. And so if God is on about himself and people coming back together in right relationship, then jointly participating with God will always have some element of reconciliation between God and humanity. And we'll be invited to participate in that. That's such a key and important part of the story, but it's only one of the four. And sometimes the way we've told the gospel has kind of limited it and narrowed it as if that's the only thing that God is interested in. It's key. I think it's probably probably fair to say it's God's number one priority. But there's so much more than that. So God is seeking to reconcile the relationship between himself and humanity. Secondly, God is seeking to restore the relationship between humanity and one another. God is interested not just in me and you, but in us, in we, in our community. What was your line, Josh, last week about the we, the really corny one? I've I've blocked it out already. No, we'll leave it. (laughs) That... God is interested in reconciling relationships between humanity. And we see this right throughout the biblical story, that God is interested in reconciling the divisions that have happened between genders, between races, between classes and ages and different types and styles of living. God is interested in restoring restoring and reconciling relationships between humanity. So if we are jointly participating with God, if we are communing with God in our work, then there should be an element in our work of the reconciliation and restoration of relationships, of connection with other humans. So that's number two. Number three, God is interested in restoring and reconciling, if I can put it in a weird way just because it helps in the framework, our relationship with ourselves. God is interested in restoring and making whole me and you and each one of us. God wants us to flourish and be all that he's created us to be. And so if God is interested in working towards my wholeness, my restoration, my reconciliation with myself, then my joint participation with God, my communion with God in my work will have some element of the restoration of me, of the wholeness and flourishing of me. So it will be an expression of who I'm created to be in my giftedness, even if it's not all about just my self-fulfillment. So that's the third one. And then the fourth one, The fourth dimension of the big story of God and the relationships he's seeking to reconcile is the one that is so present throughout the biblical narrative and yet has been so overlooked in Western culture. And for me personally, it's really been listening to uh, Hebrew people in the biblical story and in in, um, the Middle East today and listening to my Indigenous brothers and sisters here in Australia that's helped me begin to realise how important this is that God is interested in restoring the relationship between humanity and creation, between us as people and God's good gift of this earth. That God wants there to be wholeness and reconciliation and restoration in that relationship. And this is a really interesting one if you think about work, because often work or certain areas of work have been more about exploiting uh, and using up the resources of this earth 
rather than seeking to see how are we being restored and reconciled in our relationship to creation. And so I'm going to suggest this morning that as we think about work as communion with God, work as joint participation in what God is doing, that there should be some element of restoration between humanity and creation in what we find ourselves doing. So got that, those are the four kind of key relationships. That's what I think God is on about. There's, there's lots of ways of talking about it, lots of much more to unpack because God is huge and uh, mysterious and, and it works in so many ways. But I find that a really helpful framework, those four key relationships to say, this is what God's on about. And therefore, if I am jointly participating or communing with God with what I'm on about, these things will play a part. Now, let's be honest. There are some jobs that are going to be more focused on one than the other. Right? Some people's job is just all about community reconciliation. You think about people who are, like, whose job is to mediate disputes between people. It's a really heavy focus on the reconciliation of people one to another. Some people's job is all about restoring individuals, making them whole, counsellors who seek to help people work through their shame and their brokenness and their past and their issues. There's a really heavy focus on that. Some people's job is really focused on the restoration of the earth. You could think about people who are working um, in environmental sciences or you could think about people who are farming the land, whichever way you want to go, that, that really strong connection to the ground, to the creation, to the earth. And, of course, some people's job is more focused on the reconciliation between God and humanity. Some people um, you know, are called to a particular role where that is their focus. But for all of us, those four dimensions are an invitation to pay attention to what God is doing and how that connects with what we are doing. So I want to ask you this morning to think about what you do with your daily life. I know we've been thinking about this each week during this series. Think about your job, your vocation, your calling, your current day-by-day, week-by-week activities. And I want to ask you to reflect. What does it look like in your day-by-day activity, in your work, to pay attention to how God is seeking to restore people to himself? How does your work jointly participate with God in the restoration and reconciliation of that relationship between humanity and God? It might be really direct or it might be quite subtle, but how can you be paying attention to that connection between humanity and God? I want to ask you, how does your work pay attention to the connection and the restoration of relationship between humanity and others? This might be an easier one for many of us. You know, if your job is anything to do with the people professions, getting people together, communities, helping them work together well, if you're a teacher, this is probably a big part of your role, how do you play a part in seeing people live out healthy relationships one with another, of seeing people live out community and express it well? of jointly participating with something that is on God's heart and is in God's hands and is a part of his action in the world and you get to be a part of it too. Thirdly, how is your work playing its part in the restoration of your own life, of your own self before God and maybe in the selves of others? This is a really interesting one, I think, and I think it's where probably people assumed that this message was was going to go, you know, kind of how do I, in my work, find flourishing and wholeness and an expression of the gifts and the passions that God has given me? 
When I first started thinking about this sermon, um, I was thinking about such an old movie now. I don't even think I saw it. I think it's even older than I am, but remember, vaguely remember it from my childhood. You know the movie Chariots of Fire? And there's this famous story of this runner, Eric Liddell, from the Olympics in like the 19-somethings. And, um, and he won't run on a Sunday, and there's this whole story about it. But essentially, there's this great scene where he, he running, you know, he's running on the beach. He's like the fastest man in the world. He's going to the Olympics, and he says, God made me to run, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. And it's this kind of classic example of someone who's like, when I do what I'm created to do, when I express my gifts and my talents and my passion, that's communion with God. There's that moment where I'm like, this is who God has created me to be. I am fulfilling what God has called me to do. And I don't know if you have had that experience. If there's something in your work, in your vocation, where you say, I get to express my wholeness and my meaning and purpose in being who God has created me to be in what I do. I'm not sure that that's the entire goal, so it's only one of the things I wanted to mention this morning because I think if we make that the entire goal, we do tend towards this idea of work as self-fulfillment. It becomes a, very, a much more selfish thing than, a, than an expansive participation in the broadness of all that God is on about. But there's certainly an element of that, and I challenge you to think about what it might be for you. And then finally, the fourth one, how does your work reconcile or participate in the reconciliation of humanity and creation. Now, as I said, there's probably some really easy jobs to think about this with. Ryan talked last week about his job, uh, you know, which is essentially working on, you know, saving energy. That's, that's a, sorry, very dumbed-down version of a much more complicated job. But, you know, that's really thinking about how we make the best use of these finite resources that God has given us in his good gift of creation. So if someone's a farmer who's like their actual job is out there, or a gardener, tilling the soil, like getting their hands dirty... Many of us work inside, (laughs) in buildings, in offices, in front of computers, and we might forget that we are actually interacting with God's creation. You know, the computer that you sit in front of and type every day, where did it come from? What is it made of, if not the stuff of God's good creation? Someone actually had to go and mine the stuff to put, I don't know how it works, but it comes from God's gift of creation. Or if you're in the medical field, when you're administering medicine to people, where does that come from? Where did drugs come from if not from God's good creation? Whether those things that you know, we actually grow or whether they're manufactured in a lab, they're still based on the elements of creation that God has gifted us with. I feel like we have this real disconnect in a lot of our world as if we're, we're not connected to creation at all. And when you start to think about it, there are connections everywhere. I'd be really interested to know what comes to mind for you and how easy or hard it is for you to think about how your job grounds you, how your work and your calling grounds you and connects you to creation. I was thinking um, this week about, uh, well, I was talking to a friend of mine interstate actually, but thinking about parenting, um, you know, and uh, we're talking about this idea and, you know, changing a child's nappy might not feel like it's grounding you to creation, but it is. You might have to think about that a little bit later yourself. There's this real earthy, grounded connectedness in so many things that we do. How might paying attention to that connection be part of experiencing communion with God in your workplace? I know in my job, obviously, I, I feel a little bit, you know, privileged that I have a role that's probably seen to be mostly focused on that restoring of the relationship between God and humanity. I'm a pastor. I work in churches. And yet I find myself day by day doing things like sitting in front of budgets 
okay? Or uh, trying to work out trusts. This is my whole new thing about life. If anyone knows anything about property and trust law, come and talk to me because I'm becoming an expert. Uh, you know, and you think, this is, this is not, you know, not obvious. And yet, when I'm sitting in front of a budget, what I'm really talking about is allocating money to both people that they might flourish and participate in what God has called them to do, and resources, how we might make the best use of our resources. How can I allow me sitting at my desk looking at a bunch of numbers on an Excel spreadsheet to be a moment of communion with God? I wonder if by paying attention to how it is connected to these bigger things that God is on about might enable me to experience communion with God in all aspects of what I do. And I know Mark's not here today, Mark Lacornu, but I'm sure he would tell us and can, has lived out all the ways that like, that kind of role, which is you know, very focused on things like uh, numbers and spreadsheets, is really a role that enables him to participate in how God is at work in the restoration and reconciliation of real people's lives and with creation and the resources that God has gifted us with. So... I think that's enough for me for now. Uh, one of the great things about this series has been getting to hear some stories from people in our church family of kind of what this looks like in practice in their own lives. So I'm going to invite Meg to come and join me up the front now. Do you want to make her welcome? Yay. Thanks so much, Meg. Get to take your mask off. That's like the best part of speaking. Okay. That's all right. So, Meg, can you tell us a little bit about what is your week look like, your day-by-day activity at the moment? What's life looking like for you? Sure. A little bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am often running after my children. We spend a lot of time at the playground um, and just doing what I think is the mundane, like washing, cleaning and cooking. Um, and then I spend two days of my week as well at um, Autism SA where I've been nearly seven years in between having some kitties, um, but that is basically the basics of my week. Um, oh, and on um, on a Friday, I also am quite involved in the playgroup that we go to as well, so that's kind of our routine, um, kind of, but it's changes weekly. <laughs> hey, Holly, how you going? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Should we ask him about what his week looks like day by day? So we, that's the day by day. So, um, Meg, can you tell us uh, a little bit about kind of, I guess, what the journey has been for you, like in terms of work and vocation and you know, how you found yourself where you are? And... Sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I um, have grown up with disability, so I have a disability around my hearing. Um, and that's something that I've always been quite passionate about. Um, I um, studied disability at uni and then went straight into a special uh, special needs class, uh, working as an SSO, and then I got a job at Autism SA, and that's been very diverse. I've done a few different roles there. Um, I, by trade, call a developmental educator, which sounds very fancy, <laughs> but if you asked a developmental educator what they do, everyone would probably say different things, but um, one of those new-ish um, allied health kind of roles. So I started working with kids around um, their sort of entry into school and the, um, I guess, um, helping them with routine and transitions and behaviours and things like that. Um, and obviously came across parents quite a lot. And so I've now moved into um, more of the um, 
when a family receives a diagnosis, um, contacting the family and providing a bit of counselling as well as connecting them with services and NDIS and fun things like that. Um, so lots of my day looks um, at work um, is uh, talking to families, um, uh, lots and lots of listening um, and yeah, some um, just connecting them in different directions. We also run our info lines, so I get my days look very different at work, so I have lots of different questions. Um, and then I see my other role during the week is um, very relational, so um, I will, I know some days we go to the playground and spend a couple of hours there because we might meet a family. Um, other days it's just at home and spending time with the boys and um, really, I guess, connecting with them and their, um, their learning and things like that. I've probably gone on a tangent, sorry. No, no, it's good. Well, you, kind of, you kind of started answering my last question, but that's all right. That's all good. So, yeah, how does this land for you? Like, how do you see God, um, you know, speaking and leading and working in your work? Yeah. 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 I was thinking about this because at, um, at Autism SA, it, it, I guess from far back, you would think it's quite easy to see God working there because it's a very caring um, job. Um, I think more about my own role and um, I see that as God's timing and that really comes into play throughout my whole week and that um, like including my my kids days as well um, I find that God works a lot in the timing of a phone call a parent calling up and me being the one to answer it and them asking a question that only I've had experience with or um, going to the playground when even I I feel really flat and meeting someone who's just up for a chat um, into the, the deeper conversations of someone that really needs a friend. And um, I've met a lot of my good friends now through by chance, which um, I don't really think is by chance. Um, a lot of the things I'm connected with now are just because of God's timing and where he's put me at the time. Um, the mums group that I joined um, when James was small, um, there was another girl, um, a Christian girl in that group with me and we've been able to really connect with all the mums in that group and we all go to a play group now which is at a church and um, I find that even getting families to a church can be hard um, and it's just been um, very much breaking down those kind of stereotypes. So I, I definitely see God working very relationally um, through my work and my mundane and the things that I do. Um, I think that answers the question. Yeah, it does. No, it's <laughs> yeah. good. Is there anything else, like, um, again, you've probably already answered this, but anything else that kind of really resonates for you from what we've been talking about today or over the last few weeks and how it's lived out in what you find yourself doing day to day? Um, look, I, um, that's kind of my Sunday. <laughs> um, so I get bits and bobs here and there, but I'm, I think what you were saying today about I was just thinking about what my um, my life is in relation to the four things you were talking about, and I really think that in in the role that I have, because I have a, a few different roles, um, particularly in my job role, it definitely connects to a lot of different things, um, humanity for sure, but also community, and um, it depends really what my day um, is looking like. Um, uh, sometimes I am in the community and um, at the expos and meeting people and. Sometimes I am outside at a group that's going to do this and that. So um, I think 
just thinking about those those things, it, it really connects over a lot of different things and um, particularly my days with the boys as well. That is very much a what's the day look like, <laughs> depending on, um, yeah, which thing we're connecting with that day. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Thanks so much, Meg. Thanks for being brave and sharing a little no bit of your journey with us. Um, can I pray for you? Yeah. Let's pray for Meg. Father, we thank you so much for Meg and for Tom and for their boys, and we pray for Meg as she continues to be both a mum day by day and as she works at Autism SA. We pray that you would continue to be um, communing with her and giving her that experience of that you're present with her in every moment, in the really mundane, in the really exciting, um, in the grounded day by day of her work. We thank you um, for how she's been able to share that with us and I pray it might be an encouragement to us and maybe even a challenge to some of us as well as we think about um, what our day by day and, uh, looks like. So yeah, we just pray a blessing on Meg now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Uh, you can take it if you want. I don't need it now. Um, so... I think when I was young, and maybe for many of us when we're younger, the question we start out with is like, what does God want me to do with my life? What job should I have? And I think what we're discovering over this series and, and, or reaffirming over this series is that's not the right question. It's how can I participate in what God is doing in the job that I find myself in? Or as Josh has talked about, you know, how, how do I do the job in a way that expresses who God is and who God's made me to do, made me to be, rather than which job I do? It did make me wonder, are there certain jobs that we shouldn't do? Are there certain jobs that Christians shouldn't do? And if I think about those four key relationships and I say, well, that's what God's on about, possibly if there are jobs that actively seek to undermine those, then maybe... Maybe we need to resist. So I used to joke with this when people would ask me, you know, what should I do? I'll say, well, you know, if you want to be a cat burglar or a human trafficker, probably not going to be part of what God's looking to do in the world, right? There's some really obvious things where people are actively seeking to undermine the, uh, the, you know, the work that God is seeking to do in the world. But I wonder if the reality for most of us is it's not about the job again, but are there ways of doing our jobs and ways of being in our jobs that maybe more subtly either seek to undermine or do the opposite of what God is seeking to do. If we find ourselves in our work in a situation where we're being asked to do something that is actually going to actively destroy someone or that is going to break community between people or that's going to put a barrier between people and God or that is going to result in destruction of God's good creation, is that the moment at which we need to stop and ask ourselves, is this what God has called me to do? Now, that might result in some really tough questions because we don't always have a choice in what we're asked to do in our workplace. But I think it's a really good question to be asking. So both how am I finding myself paying, finding myself paying attention to where I'm communing with God in my work? But maybe, just maybe, where are the places that I'm being asked to act against that? And what does it look like to resist and say no to that? I'm going to pray and then we're going to share in communion together this morning. We're talking about experiencing communion with God in our work, in our day by day, in the Monday and in the daily activity. There's a sense in which this meal of communion we're about to celebrate uh, does something similar. But let me pray for us first. King Jesus, we thank you that you've invited us to be joint participants in this big story of what God has been doing since the beginning of creation and will continue to do on forever in the new creation. 
And I pray for us as individuals and as a church community that you would continue to show us what it looks like to work, to live, to act and to engage day by day in our everyday, in our mundane, in our vocations, in where we spend our time, in ways that pay attention to your work and more than that, God, that join you actively in that work that find that deep joy of communion with with you because we are playing our part in the restoration of humanity and God, of humanity one to another, of people within themselves and of humanity with the good gifts of this creation that you have given us to steward and to tend and to work with. Pray that over the next couple of weeks as we continue to unpack what it looks like in practice to work in ways that build our communities, that connect with you and that express the beauty and creativity that you've given us and created us with, that it might land for each of us in our day-by-day lives in ways that give us a greater understanding and knowledge of who you are and that result in blessing and impact and transformation in the world around us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about these four relationships and how in our work we can experience communion with God when we pay attention to them. I think there's something in this meal that we're about to share that does similar. That communion is an expression of us jointly participating in the work of God to restore and reconcile all things once and for all. We celebrate and remember what Jesus did on the cross, where he took our place in order to bring about forgiveness and reconciliation between humanity and God once and for all. We also celebrate and recognise that in the cross of Jesus, the Gospels tell us and Paul's letters tell us that the divisions between Jews and Gentiles, between races and cultures, between men and women, between slave and free, between people who have different experiences in life are broken down and we are made one and we are made a community in what Jesus has done. In this meal, as we take the bread and drink the cup, we also celebrate the wholeness that we can experience for ourselves, that in his death and resurrection, Jesus seeks to rid us of shame and guilt and to restore us to who God has created us to be. And don't forget, there's a reason that this meal takes place with bread and grape juice, which come from not just the shops, but actually from the gifts of God, good creation. For the people of God in the Old Testament, whenever they shared this meal, they would give thanks for the vine on which the fruit was grown to produce the juice, the the wine that they were drinking. And they would give thanks for the crops and the earth and the dirt that enabled the wheat to be grown to be turned into bread. Maybe we're a bit disconnected because we just go to the shops and buy it off there. But there's something in this meal taking place in a way that connects us to God's good gifts of creation that is a reminder that we are jointly participating in what God is doing for all of creation.